Thank you, Dr. Scott, and uh, warm greetings to you all. Uh, we're separated by physical distance, but we are connected electronically and uh, ele- connected spiritually as well. It's a beautiful Sabbath day. In fact, uh, spring sprung just this last Thursday, the first day of the spring. And we're seeing all around us along the Crown Center Drive here a beautiful cherry tree, cherry blossoms along the Crown Center Drive. I wish you could see those. And also the red blood trees are coming out and uh, a dogwood tree in our backyard is uh, blossoming. It's just very beautiful and very, very encouraging. Uh, this past uh, uh, Thursday, I mentioned, is the first day of spring. Next Thursday is the first day in God's sacred calendar for the first day of the year, the sacred year. So next Thursday, uh, be thinking about the new year that's coming on. But the world's health, as we enjoy the, the spring beauty, the world's health is not so healthy. And national governments and state governments have been putting on very strong restrictions Governor Newsom of California announced Thursday a statewide lockdown for California. That was Thursday, March 19th. As the New York Times reported, quote, Governor Gavin Newsom of California on Thursday ordered Californians, all 40 million of them, to stay in their houses as much as possible in the coming week as the state confronts the escalating coronavirus outbreak. Citing a model that state planners have been using, suggesting that 56% of Californians, or more than 26 million people, could be infected over eight weeks, Mr. Newsom said. It's very sobering. They're saying that over 26% could be infected. Well, hopefully the restrictions will help and will level off any of the dangers that are present. So we need to be praying for the Californians, and particularly our brethren, in the three most effective states in the United States, Washington, and then uh, New York, and uh, California. So be praying for our brethren, and of course, the general citizens of the United States as well. So national and international sports industries have uh, shut down. A sports writer for the Charlotte Observer commented Friday, Just yesterday, March 20th, quote, It's been a long week without sports. Uh, Cancellation of the NBA, the uh, NHL, uh, the NCAA. Right now we would have been watching March Madness basketball, and some of us would want uh, the North Carolina team of Duke to be winning in the Final Four. But uh, what do we do with our time if we can't watch uh, sports on television? Well... An opinion piece on the Wall Street Journal yesterday, Coronavirus has made me sweating out my sports addiction. Quote, Would the time I usually spend watching baseball be better devoted to literature or simple reflection? This is by Joseph Epstein. He concludes the opinion piece, quote, Might the day come when I thank the coronavirus for bringing me to my senses and breaking my addiction to watching sports. So people's lives and routines are being reorganized. And many of us are working remotely in our, from our offices at home. Uh, one business consultant on talk radio was mentioning this may be a 
cultural change in workforce because so many working office workers are working at home. Will now millions of office workers now vacate office buildings and work remotely at home? So, and so in addition to that, many are losing their jobs, and I hope our brethren uh, are not losing their jobs. We need to be praying again for one another. So we're all facing the challenge of COVID-19, a coronavirus. And we appreciate Mr. Weston's sermon at last Sabbath uh, titled, Responding to COVID-19 Crisis. So Mr. Weston also recorded a short video update available on our lcg.org website. And I hope you've seen that. Uh, Presiding Evangelist Gerald Weston on COVID-19 impact. Uh, That's a 28-minute video on lcg.org. How many of you have seen that video? Okay, it looks like uh, most in the studio have, but I think 28% of you have only seen that out there in the field. I've just sensed that. But anyway, uh, if you've not seen it, make sure that you see that video. And uh, Mr. Wesson wants to post videos uh, daily, if possible, and those would be on uh, the uh, LCG website, as well as the YouTube channel and tomorrow, Tomorrow's World YouTube channel, Tomorrow's World LCG and Facebook pages. So be looking for those in the coming weeks. And we're trying to keep you updated with uh, the daily, on a daily basis. And here in Charlotte, of course, we're striving to follow the precautions to avoid the pandemic. And we pray that you also are striving to do your part. We're learning to endure trials preparing for even greater trials in the future. But we can claim God's promises. And one of those promises, if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, uh, so many promises that God gives us when we're facing trials. But 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. No temptation has overcome, overtaken you except such as is common to man. You think you're an exception? No. These Trials are common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but with the temptation, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So again, God blesses us and gives us those wonderful promises. And of course, one of my other favorite promises is Romans 8.28. You know it by heart, but let's turn to it anyway and uh, reinforce that promise. Romans 8 and verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Well, here this sports addict may may be uh, thanking coronavirus for um, ridding him of his addiction to sports and to be more reflective in life. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. So today, we're keeping the Sabbath. We're worshiping God. We're not separated by time or space. We're separated by space, but uh, not electronically. By We're connected electronically. But the Apostle Paul was separated from the brethren quite often. I'll just turn to one example here. And his attitude when he was not able to be with them physically. Colossians, uh, the second chapter. Colossians 2 and verse 5. 
Colossians 2 and verse 5. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. And of course, we had this sermon at by uh, Mr. Dawson, uh, Faith, Not Fear. And we are to exercise faith during these times of trial. But the Apostle Paul felt connected to the brethren, even though he was not with them, physically speaking. In fact, the Apostle Paul was under house arrest. Uh, you know, I might turn to Acts, the 28th chapter, Acts 28. But even he was under house arrest for two years, and yet he still was productive, even though he was restricted. Acts 28 and uh, verse 30. Then the Apostle Paul, the Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house. Actually, they say it was more of an apartment, and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So he was under guard as it tells us um, in one of the earlier verses. But he was under house arrest, but still was able to have uh, be very productive and bear fruit. And that's verse 16, that he was under guard. So in these challenging days, we're advised to meet with no larger, larger groups than 10 people. Uh, we're advised to stay from uh, about six feet away from other people. Uh, so while we're physically separated... We're thankful to be connected spiritually, and we pray for one another. So you may have publicly asked yourself, how do I live in these stressful times? Mr. Rick Stafford gave a sermon last week on an overcoming mindset, and he exhorted us to use the trials to grow in faith. He cited Jesus' statement in John 16:33. You don't need to turn there, but I think most of you know it. A very encouraging comment. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, Jesus says. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So how should you react in these days of stress? Be of good cheer. Because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And of course, the days of unleavened bread will teach us about overcoming. We need to overcome the world, the society, self, and Satan. So what kind of an attitude should I have? What are the fundamentals of Christianity? What is our goal in life? How do we fulfill the awesome calling that God has given us? And how are we to live our lives in this time of world pandemic? Well, you know, and you should know, the answer to those questions. We seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's what we're doing. That's our purpose in life. And I hope that you saw Mr. Wally Smith's telecast on what is the meaning of life. Very profound. And something that we need to consider and make sure that we have the big picture, as Dr. Meredith would often exhort us. So we're loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. We're living each day by faith. Tells us in Habakkuk 2 and verse 4, Behold, the proud, he said, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. 
Habakkuk 2.4, I'll just read that again. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. And that's quoted three times in the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. So we're also living the way in this time of stress of godly love. The two great commandments of loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. So turn to John 13. One of the major instructions that Christ gave us is brotherly love, that we are to love one another as he loved us. John, the 13th chapter. And uh, it's uh, one of our hymns that we sing, John 13 and verse 35. John 13, verse 35. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's profound. And that is a very serious commitment that we must make in all of our lives. Turn to John, over the page of John 15 and verse 13. Another commandment on loving one another. John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You think, I, you have all your responsibilities and activities in the day, your work, your uh, taking the family to various uh, activities, you realize the greater love is laying down your life for a friend. There is no greater love, Jesus said. In verse, back in verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. So we have that love if we keep God's commandments. And we're able to love wholeheartedly our Father in heaven and our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're able to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Turn to 1 Peter, the first chapter. 1 Peter 1. We have a commandment to love one another. So in these stressful times, we all need to live our lives with godly love. In these stressful times, we all need to live our lives with godly love. We need to consistently love one another. 1 Peter 1 and verse 22. 1 Peter 2. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, we are people who don't... uh, wallow around and try to find the loose bricks. We want to obey the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been begotten again, as it should read, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. So how can we love one another? What are the ways to love one another? So let's consider ten different ways of loving one another. Now, these will overlap, but they give uh, different perspectives. And uh, the title of the sermon today is Ten Ways to Love One Another. 
By the way, Mr. Gerald Weston taped a telecast that will be airing April 19th, 10 signs leading to Armageddon. Now, he did those 10 signs in a half an hour, so I'll try to get the 10 ways to love one another in the remainder of the sermon. And then the following week, four weeks from tomorrow, April 26th, uh, Mr. Weston will air a program, actually tape the program next week, this coming week, on the COVID-19 crisis. So be praying for the taping of that telecast. It's going to be put on fast track by the television team here and uh, Mr. Mike DeSimone wants that tape to get out to all the stations uh, to air on April 26th. A uh, discussion on the COVID crisis from the Tomorrow's World telecast. Well, there are more than ten ways of loving one another, of course, but we need to remind ourselves in these end times. For, for, what are the benefits of loving one another? Let's turn to 1 John 4 and verse 18. The one that uh, I claim and promise I claim occasionally because I still get nervous once in a while. And I realize that it's more blessed to give than to receive, or happier to give than to get, as the Moffat translation says it. But First John 4 and verse 8, it's one that you should probably have marked in your Bible. There is no, First John 4, 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So that's a benefit of loving one another. With God's divine love, you don't have that fear. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. And uh, Jesus did warn in Matthew 24:12. I won't turn there, but because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. So in this end time, people are being calloused. They're not as concerned and caring for their neighbors. The love of many will wax cold, but our love must grow warm. We need to love one another. So in the remainder of the sermon, we'll briefly discuss ten ways to love one another. Number one, consider the needs of your brethren. Turn to Philippians 2 and verse 1. Consider the needs of your brethren. Well, you think of your own needs, but what about the needs of our brethren? Some people, some of our brethren may have lost jobs recently. We hope not and pray that they're okay. We know that the needs for obvious needs of many of our brethren are health needs. We have prayer requests for their healing. We need to know their needs. Philippians 2 and verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. And some people have left the, the fellowship of God, the true church of God, because of selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, and we'll be fasting a week from today, next Sabbath, to humble ourselves, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem, let each value others better than himself. Let each of you look not out not only for his own interests, 
but also for the interest of others, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who was in form of a bond servant, as it says in verse 7. So we're to look after the interests of others. We need to be concerned for the needs of our brethren. We appreciate the service of our deacons and deaconesses. It seems that somehow they found out the needs of our brethren. And certainly, um, Mr. John Strain, our pastor, and Dr. Scott Winnell, our associate pastor, are monitoring the needs of the brethren. But we need to understand the needs ourselves and be praying for our brethren. So we appreciate their service. There are some homebound, as we've already mentioned, because of health issues and also quarantine because of the COVID-19 situation. The Passover is just over 12, uh, just uh, three weeks from now. And as we reflect we need on the needs of our brethren, we need to examine ourselves, as Dr. Scott mentioned here in the announcements. So we have changed lives. We need to, again, consider the purpose of our lives. How dedicated are we? What do we need to change? Change small things, change major approaches in our routines or in our lives or in our attitudes uh, towards other people. So the world health crisis has helped millions and billions to reflect on the purpose and meaning of life, or it should have. And it should help all of us refocus on our purpose as we approach the Passover. So we meditate here in the meditate on the Charlotte congregation, uh, the ministry, and the deacons and deaconesses and the members, and pray fervently for your, with brotherly love for one another. So we pray for the needs of our brethren. They may need clothing. They may need food. They may need transportation. Uh, They need uh, prayers for their health situation. And uh, they may need... uh, a new job if they just lost one. So, and if you are in need, uh, you need to communicate that as well to a deacon or deaconess or to the associate pastor or the pastor of the Charlotte congregation or those of you who may be other congregations to your local pastor. So, number one, consider the needs of your brethren. And if you're in need, remember Philippians 4.19, the promise that God gives, my God shall provide all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4.19. So number one in loving one another is to consider the needs of your brethren. But number two is not just only consider the needs, but fulfill the needs of your brethren. Number two, fulfill the needs of your brethren. Turn to James, uh, the second chapter. James 2, we need to, of course, be doers of the word and not hearers only. James, the second chapter, right after the book of Hebrews. It's still here in my Bible. James 2, and uh, starting with verse 14. James 2, verse 14. And what does it profit, my brethren, If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? 
Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I, James says, will show you my faith by my works. So we need to fulfill the needs of our brethren. First John 3, First uh, John, the third chapter, just over a few pages, and verse 17. First John 3 and verse 17. But whoever has this world's goods and see his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So again, we need to have the action. We need to give and serve as best we can. And, of course, we have uh, Mr. Weston encouraged all those who can to shop for groceries. Uh, for those who are homebound, uh, the world ahead uh, that came out this week on March uh, 19th. And I'll just read this from the CAD uh, message on the world ahead. Finally, Mr. Weston encouraged the ministry in meetings this week to encourage brethren to take care of one another during this crisis phoning each other, assisting with ordering groceries for delivery. Many stores offer this. For those who cannot get out, checking on elderly members and other acts of kindness are ways to show love in a time when some can suffer from great anxiety and loneliness. Now is the time to show we care when others need it the most. So number two is fulfill the needs of our brethren. Number three is communicate frequently and lovingly. Turn to Malachi, the third chapter. Malachi, the third chapter. Yes, many of you are communicating through uh, Facebook and other uh, social media platforms. But here we find in Malachi, the third chapter, starting with verse uh, 16, and it's interesting, you have 1 John 3.16, you have John 3.16, which, of course, Mr. Weston wrote the booklet on, and I hope that you all read that booklet. But here is Malachi 3.16. Then those who feared the Lord, feared the Eternal, spoke to one another, and the Eternal listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him, for those who fear the Eternal and who meditate on his name. And he says he's going to make us uh, like treasures. So we give thanks to God for that. Do we communicate regularly and lovingly? Um, many of you do that through social media, but what are the topics? Some of you uh, do a very good job in encouraging one another social media because you are socially or spiritually minded. Uh, others are not so, and uh, we perhaps we need to make some monitoring ourselves and making sure what our communications are like. But uh, what about exhorting your sister or brother in Christ through social media or on the telephone to talk about the articles in the Living Church News or the Tomorrow's World magazine or what you've seen on the, uh, the telecast or on the My LCG website, uh, LCG website. And we have hundreds of sermons, of course, uh, available on that website. So talk to one another. Mr. Weston and the LCN, I hope uh, you've uh, 
all received your Living Church News. This is the March-April uh, 2020 uh, Living Church News. Beyond Services Visiting the Brethren. Mr. Weston writes, if I can get here, the point is that your minister may be calling you in the future. So he's talking about ministers visiting the brethren. Now, obviously, that has to be modified because of the coronavirus and the pandemic. But he says, I hope he will, that is, the minister will visit you, the church member. And if he does, make the time to visit with him. It will be good for you and good for him. And it will please our Lord and Savior. So ministers are being encouraged to call, if not physically visit, our church members. So if some some of us call you, uh, please be warm and friendly and welcoming and that we can get to know you better. You know, Dr. Meredith often talked about how the church members encouraged him. He was an ambassador student up in Oregon, and he was not even ordained yet at that point in time, but he was giving sermons. And he tells a story about how one widow wrote a letter every Sabbath telling him how good, how good a sermon was, even though he questioned that it was maybe not that good. But he was encouraged by the widow that helped him. So communicate frequently and lovingly, number three. Number four is pray for one another. And I know that the Charlotte congregation is very steadfast and faithful in doing that, and praying for others. Uh, James, the fifth chapter. Uh, James, the fifth, fifth chapter, tells us to do that. James 5 and verse 16. James 5, 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So you're praying for others that they may be healed. You're praying for others that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then he gives the example of Elijah, who is just as human as we are human, and yet God managed to answer dramatically his prayers. So, yes, God can answer dramatically your prayers. And we really appreciate the Charlotte Brethren because they are very faithful in praying for one another. And uh, we had recently two uh, prayer requests of the Charlotte Brethren. Um, And uh, several of you, of course, um, have had several health issues. Uh, you prayed for me when I had my two strokes. You prayed for Mr. John Strain and continue to pray for him and his health issue. Uh, we've received messages from all over the world. And we just thank God that people are praying one for another. But even here locally in North and South Carolina, uh, you brethren have been faithfully serving with heartfelt prayers. But I'll mention the two prayer requests that have just been issued here from headquarters and uh, from Dr. Scott Winneo. Uh, Peter D'Amico, a member in Florida, has been experiencing symptoms of the coronavirus. He's a, he was exposed to two dialysis employees that may have the virus while under treatment. He was advised by the clinic to go to the hospital due to the underlying kidney failure. He is requesting prayers from the church, and that's from Mr. Gary Amen. So we're praying for Mr. Peter 
D'Amico, a member in Florida. And the second prayer request, uh, please pray for Mrs. Sherry Harlison, Harrelson, wife of Tommy Harrelson of the Charlotte Congregation. She has been in the hospital for a week with pneumonia, unexplained eternal, internal bleeding, and some other serious issues. She has been mailed an anointed cloth since the hospital is now locked down uh, to visitors. So, brethren, keep praying for one another, for uh, Mr. Peter D'Amico, and also for Mrs. Sherry Harrelson. Our prayers are powerful. We just read here, the effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so, as we look forward to the Days of Unleavened Bread, we need to be praying also for God's work. And realize the first holy day of the Day of Unleavened Bread is Thursday, April 9th. So be praying for God's work. Be praying that you can give generously in the Holy Day offering. Our mission of the church is to prepare the world, the church, and ourselves for the greatest event in all history, the return of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. That's our mission. So be praying for one another and be praying for God's work. Number four in praying for and loving one another is pray for one another. Number five is remember your calling as a servant. Turn to Galatians, the fifth chapter. Galatians, you are bought with a price. We are all bond servants of Jesus Christ. Galatians, the fifth chapter. Galatians 5, and starting with verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. But through love serve one another. Yes, we are all called to be bond servants. Number five, remember your calling as a servant. Verse 14, for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Our attitude is, how can I help you? How can I serve? And that, uh, give that sermon on how may I help you on January 11th, on the key for greatness, which is, of course, serving. Turn to Matthew, the 20th chapter. You know that it's the Jesus example of serving. The two sons of Zebedee were, uh, the mother of them, were, were crying out for a great uh, position in the kingdom. And Jesus gave the example of serving. And so he starts off here, well, I won't read the whole section, but verse 26. Uh, Matthew 20, starting with verse 26. It shall not be uh, so among you, that as you want to be in charge of everything and be great, But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So Jesus Christ himself set us the example, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So we have that example of service. We also have uh, a feature in the Living Church News, Woman to Woman. And I just happened to be on the 
Tomorrow's World website today and the, and the uh, website uh, commentary, Woman to Woman by Amber Leonard, appeared. And the title of the commentary is Pure and Undefiled Religion, Women Supporting Women in Times of Need. It was uh, January 8th, 2020, but uh, appeared right on our website. She writes, quote, Having been the recipient of these blessings during a time of need, I can say how incredibly humbling it is to be taken care of and how grateful I was for those ladies who took the time to care. And having been able to help someone else, I can testify to the many blessings God has returned for those labors. We all need help once in a while, especially when we are down and can't see a way back up. If we are willing to help others in their time of need, God will make sure that when it is our turn, we are taken care of more than we could ever hope to be. <coughs> so, that's from the Living Church News feature, Women to Women. Of course, we had many others of you, even here in Charlotte, who contributed to that feature Mrs. Fay Leake was one of them as well. I'll turn to Philippians, the second chapter. Philippians 2. I think we read this already. But it's uh, so important to have that concept that, as Christ said, He came not to, to be served, but to serve. And that's so reinforced here in Philippians 2 when it tells us, Verse 5, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. So Christ himself called himself a bond servant. I was just talking recently to... uh, Elizabeth Stafford, she's the daughter of Dr. Roderick Meredith, and she told me the story before and just confirmed it uh, this afternoon that Dr. Meredith would tell himself and try to do it every day, even pointing at his head, I am a bond slave of Jesus Christ. He would tell him that. And the fruits of that service are certainly manifest and the legacy he's given us in writings and sermons that still are available to us. But he knew and focused on his calling. Uh, He called himself a bond slave using the King James Version, where we have the New King James Version, bond servant. I am a bond slave of Jesus Christ. And that's, brethren, one of the ways that you can love your brethren. Number five, remember your calling as a servant. You are called as a servant of Jesus Christ to serve. Number six is to express compassion. Involve yourself emotionally. Uh, I mentioned 1 John 3.16. Let's turn there. 1 John 3.16. I think we may have already read it, but it has a different uh, perspective this time. John 3.16 By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
But whoever has this world goods and sees his brother have need, we already talked about supplying our brethren's needs, and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? In other words, brethren, we need the compassion. We need to feel the bowels of mercies, as it tells us in Colossians 3 and verse 12. That's the the King James Version. I won't turn there, but I'll just read uh, Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, or as the King James Version has it, bowels of mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. The definition of compassion is uh, following, uh, or the synonyms, sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. Sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. Or a synonym, a synonym is pity. You think of the prophet Jeremiah in the whole book of Lamentations. He had compassion. He identified emotionally with the destruction that was going on in Jerusalem by the Babylonians. And he wrote in Jeremiah 9 and verse 1. Again, I'll just read it to you. Jeremiah 9 and verse 1. Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. So he prayed, he, he cried tears for his people, Judah. The book of Lamentations describes the devastation and the death of Jerusalem during the Babylonian attack. But have you ever shed tears for anyone? I know we were all different emotionally and psychologically. I hope you uh, will see my sermon if you have uh, questions about emotions. Character and your emotions is a sermon that's still on our website. Character and your emotions. Let's turn to Matthew, the ninth chapter. Matthew 9. Number six is express compassion. Involve yourself emotionally. Matthew, the ninth chapter. Matthew 9, and starting with verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. There was no affliction, no disease, no physical problem that Jesus could not heal. But when he saw the multitudes, verse 36, he was moved with compassion. Moved for compassion with them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's one of the instructions that Christ gives us to be praying, and I hope you are doing that regularly. And, of course, in Matthew 24, he tells us to pray that our flight not be in the winter nor on the Sabbath day. But Jesus was moved with compassion. There's an old uh, saying, some of you remember it, about uh, uh, Indian moccasins. 
Never criticize a man until you've walked a mile in his moccasins. It's an Indian proverb. I think another way of saying it, we can say, I feel your pain. So, number six, in loving one another, express compassion, involve yourself emotionally. Number seven is live by 1 Corinthians 13. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Live by 1 Corinthians 13. Now, I've talked about ten ways of loving one another. 1 Corinthians 13 gives you a dozen ways to love one another. And starting off with verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4. Love suffers long. There's one way to love one another by being patient with one another. And I know that's one one element I've had to work on over the years. My wife has helped me to work on that, uh, to be long-suffering, to be patient with people. And is kind. There's another one. Love does not envy. That's how you love one another. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely. And how much of the world behaves rudely? Does not seek its own. We already talked about uh, seeking other people's interests and esteeming them better than ourselves, valuing them better than ourselves, as we read in Philippians, the second chapter. Does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. We have to become love, and we have to radiate God's love and love one another. There are more than ten ways of loving one another. We've just read more than a dozen, more than about a dozen here in First Corinthians, the thirteenth chapter. It reminds me of the moving poem. It's a love poem, but it expresses it in a special way by Elizabeth Barrett Browning, who was writing this love poem to her husband, 1806-1861. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways, is the title of the sermon, of the poem. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach, and feeling out of sight for the ends of being and ideal grace. I love thee to the level of every day's most quiet need, by sun and candlelight. I love thee freely, as men strive for right. I love thee purely, as they turn from praise. I love thee with a passion put to use in my old griefs and with my childhood's faith. I love thee with a love I seem to lose with my last, my lost saints. I love thee with a breath Smile, tears of all my life. And if God choose, I shall but love thee better after death. This is a passionate expression of love. And I hope that we can have that kind of passion and love even towards God the Father and Christ and towards one another. I quoted to you before, and I'll just mention it. First John 4.18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he that fears is not made perfect in love. So live by 1 Corinthians 13. That's number 7. You know, I, I just reminded one thing. Remember, 
Mr. Herbert Armstrong and one time in Pasadena in one of the assemblies, he, he said that some of you don't feel close to me. He said that now God is up here. And if I'm close to God and you are not close to God, we're not going to be close to another, one another. But if you are close to God and I am close to God, we will be close to one another. Uh, I always remember that from Mr. Herbert Armstrong. So it was very, very special. So if we're close to God, we can be close to one another. Summary number seven, live by 1 Corinthians 13. Number eight, encourage one another. And I mentioned some of these will overlap because we've already talked about communicating frequently and lovingly. But this is encourage one another. Turn to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. And starting with verse 24. Hebrews 10, uh, verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us consider one another. So we're considering one another. Of course, we're praying for another one, one another, which we've already discussed as one of the ways to love one another. In order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And we're assembling ourselves together today, even though it's through the electronics. As is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we need to exhort one another. And it's the same translation as the NIV, encourage one another. We have a whole sermon on that, sermon number 630, uh, sermon number 630, encourage uh, one another. Turn to uh, 2 Timothy, uh, the first chapter, 2 Timothy, the first chapter. We all need encouragement. I ask God for encouragement the same time I ask Him that I can encourage others. And it's amazing, uh, the encouragement that comes. 1 Timothy uh, the first chapter, the Apostle Paul was in prison. And uh, he was he was lonely. Some had already forsaken him. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 16. Oh, sorry. No, wait a minute. Uh, 2 Timothy, I'm sorry. 2 Timothy uh, 1 and verse 16. 2 Timothy 1 verse 16. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesephorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. So here was someone who visited Paul in prison, and Paul encouraged him. And he goes on on to say, But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord, in that day, and you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. So he ministered to the Apostle Paul and encouraged him. Might turn to uh, Acts, the fourth chapter, Acts 4. And here's another one who was an encourager. Who was that? Acts, the fourth chapter. Well, I'll just mention him by name. And uh, you can look at that. Well, let's start with verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. 
Acts 4, verse 32. Neither did any say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace or favor was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who is also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated, son of encouragement, Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So here was someone else, Barnabas, which actually the name is is son of encouragement. So there are those who are encouragers. We thank God for those who are in our congregation who are encouragers. And we need to encourage one another to thank, be thankful for the kindnesses that people show us and uh, make, make sure we communicate that thankfulness. Um, God the Father even encouraged Jesus the Christ in Matthew 3.17. I'll just read it. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That would have been a great encouragement to our Lord and Savior, from a voice that came from heaven. So we need to encourage one another, learn people's names. I know my wife and I have problems remembering names, but the two of us together can uh, kind of put names together. Uh, Like Dale Carnegie wrote in his book, um, Making Friends, How to Make Friends and Win People, along that, how to influence people, uh, win friends and make friends, whatever the title of Dale Carnegie's book he said, I'll paraphrasing, that the sweetest sound in any language is the sound of one's own personal name. So uh, try to remember people's names and our church members and get acquainted with them. I'll just turn to uh, one more section here. I think that takes care of it. Uh, God the Father encouraged His Son. We need to encourage one another. So number eight in loving one another is to encourage one another. Number nine is to live by the Ten Commandments. Because we're told here, this is how we love our neighbors. This is how we love our Father in heaven. I won't turn there. First John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. In Romans thirteen ten. Love does not harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. But you can turn to 1 John 4 and verse 7. Uh, Turn to 1 John 4 and verse 7. Of course, you know throughout the three epistles of of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he talks about love continuously, but it's not a vague love. It's a defined godly love. 1 John 4... And verse 7. Beloved, let us not love one another. Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is begotten of God, it should read, and knows God. He does not, who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifest toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son 
into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10, 1 John 4. In this, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God so loved us, we ought to so love one another. Verse 20, 1 John 4 and verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So we thank God for the commandments, the Ten Commandments, and our children know the Fifth Commandment, to honor your parents and your mother and father. And I hope you children are loving, not only honoring your father and mother, but you are loving your father and mother. And I'll ask any children who are listening, do you love your brothers and sisters? So make sure that you love one another, and you, if you're having difficulty loving your brother and sister, help have your parents help you to try to love one another. Very important for your children, and we're all children of God who need to love one another. So, n- number nine in loving one another is to live by the Ten Commandments. Number ten is to forgive one another. The Passover for 2020 is just three weeks away, a little more than that. Uh, And we need all to hear the messages of examining ourselves. And next Sabbath, of course, we'll be observing the church-wide fast. So one of the major lessons of Passover is a reconciliation to God by the death of His Son, Romans 5 and verse 10. We're humbled by God's mercy and forgiveness through the sacrifice of Christ, the Lamb of God. We also learn to forgive one another. And so, one of our Passover commitments was that he, he, we will be willing to accept God's forgiveness. So when, when we observe the Passover, be willing to accept God's forgiveness. Of course, you have to repent first and be willing to forgive others. Forgiving one another is the fundamental of true Christianity. Uh, Forgiving one another is a fundamental in loving one another. The outline prayer in Matthew, the sixth chapter, Jesus taught us to pray. He said, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Um, I don't know if you pray that prayer. I don't pray that prayer every day, but it's a reminder that this is a daily prayer, that we forgive others as, and we ask us our forgiveness as we forgive others. We'll turn in one more in Ephesians 4 and verse 31. Ephesians 4 and verse 31. Ephesians 4 and verse 31. Ephesians 4, verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another. We already read that in 1 Corinthians 13. 
and be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, yes, you have compassion. You can connect emotionally. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And I know of some, some cases where it's so difficult for someone to forgive, forgive one who had been abused them or had offended them deeply and it would cause great hurt. And it was so difficult for that person to forgive. And yet I've quoted that book from um, one of the uh, Don't Let the Jerks Get the Best of You, uh, where the advice by the counselor was that those who had been abused and were uh, very depressed, that once they forgave the one who abused them, their, the serotonin in their brain was renewed and they were, overcame their depression. And I know in one case it was the kind of, I think the expression helped the individual who was having the difficulty forgive someone, was let go and let God. Let, let, let go of this, this obsession you have to get revenge and, to, and let God take care of it. And uh, that person then was able to forgive and overcame that, that obsession that he or she had. So, even as God in Christ forgave you, forgive one another. And, of course, he tells us even to love our enemies in Matthew 5 and verse 44. So, if we have trouble loving our brethren, how can we have trouble loving our brethren if we're supposed to even love our enemies? We need God's Holy Spirit and we need to have Christ in us to be able to overcome that selfishness and that desire for vengeance. Uh, God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So we need to, again, be forgiving. So number 10 in loving one another is forgive one another. Jesus warned us in this end times that because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I mentioned that before, Matthew 24 and verse 12. Our love must grow warm. Our love must fulfill a divine love. And what better time to do that in this time of stress and pandemic? Our Father in Heaven is preparing a family. We're preparing for the kingdom. We're preparing to marry the Lamb. And God's love is eternal. He even gives us His love which we can, by which we can love Him and love our Savior. Because He gives us His Spirit, which is the Spirit of love. He even gives us His love by which we can love one another, brotherly love. He gives us His love by which we can even love our enemies. Matthew 5:44. So how can we love one another? I'll summarize. Number one, consider the needs of your brethren. Number two, fulfill the needs of your brethren. Number three, communicate frequently and lovingly. Number four, pray for one another. Number five, remember your calling as a servant. You're a bond servant of Christ. Number six, express compassion. Involve yourself emotionally. Number seven, Live by 1 Corinthians 13. Number 8, encourage one another. Number 9, live by the Ten Commandments. Number 10, forgive one another. Finally, turn to 1 Peter, 
the first chapter. I think we read this before, but it's so important, so profound. First Peter, the first chapter. First Peter one and verse twenty two. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Brethren, pray that God's Spirit can flow out from you in rivers of living water, as He promises us in, in John 7, and, uh, verse 30, 38. But let's love one another fervently with a pure heart from the love of God's Spirit that flows out from us in rivers of living water. And remember Jesus' statement in John 13:35: By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another.